Hey, they're finally making a sequel to Dirty Dancing 35 years later. And Pete said, what's the title going to be? So we ran through the whole gamut of Dirty Dancing 2, Dirtier Dancing, Filthy Dancing, Grinding. All we need is Peter King to say, what is twerking? I demand to know what twerking is. And we have it somewhere. Wouldn't that be something if by the end of the show, someone in the back room could find a clip of Peter King where he blurts out, I want to know what twerking is. I demand to know what twerking is. Maybe twerking will make its way into the title of Dirty Dancing so it's properly updated to reflect the the dance moves of the current times. Oh, what a way to start the day. Well done. I'd forgotten about that. We were having some fun the other day because during a late break in the show, I happened to notice that Finally, after all these years, the sequel that no one realized they needed, Dirty Dancing 2, or whatever they will call it. And we, rem- we remembered, Peter, your uncertainty from a decade ago as to the phenomenon, new at the time, known as twerking. Uh, good morning. There will be no twerking I, I have today. no idea what... I have no idea what you're talking about. I've always known what twerking is. I am on the cutting edge of twerking. (laughs) Oh, gosh. Uh, Good morning. It's PFT Live. A little bleary-eyed today. It was a long night last night. After we put in the full day, we we get the schedule. The last tentpole of the offseason for the NFL, the release of the schedule. We knew 11 games officially. The rest of them, 261, officially announced last night. And... You know, Peter, what was your initial reaction? Just big picture when you saw the sheet drop and we knew what all the games were. What was the one thing that kind of smacked you in the face? Well, I'd say there were two overriding things. I mean, one, I think when I saw the teams that had five primetime appearances and those that didn't have five primetime appearances, I was a little taken aback. First of all, you know, I was a little bit surprised, quite honestly, when you look at the primetime games and when you see Chicago with three. And I understand it's a big city and a lot of people love the Bears. But first I saw they had three. I said, wow, that's a lot. And when I looked at that, I then looked at the schedule and I said, oh, okay, three in the first seven weeks. So, you know, they want to avoid putting on a Bears team that might be 2-11. and 11. And so I sort of get that. But the other, the other thing about this, you know, when you just first look at it, you say, the NFL is banking gigantic stuff on Russell Wilson. Thinking that Russell Wilson can lift the Denver Broncos. And the other thing is, and look, Uh, You know, I'm big on franchises that have been great and have great followings, and I totally understand that. New England and Pittsburgh, both to have five primetime appearances, particularly Pittsburgh. Man, Mitchell Trubisky or Kenny Pickett, and, and relying a lot on Mac Jones being really good well into the season, And I get it. You're banking on Belichick to be competitive, and they were last year, and that's great. But those things really jumped out at me, the teams that the NFL really is banking on. 
Well, and you look at what Mike Tomlin has historically done with the Steelers. He's never had a losing record since getting that job in 2007. Belichick has always been competitive. And when you're talking about those late season games, you want to have a high degree of confidence for the ones that can't be flexed out that you're not getting yourself some clunkers. And Mike North, who's become the the new Howard Katz of the NFL. I saw him on NFL Network last night talking to Rich Eisen, and he was very blunt and very candid as it relates to the unretirement of Tom Brady, how that changed things, because they view, as North said, these 272 games as assets. How are we best going to deploy our assets for the purposes of maximizing viewership, maximizing the relevance, the excitement associated with the game? So, doesn't surprise me at all. And they're making some bets. In an age of legalized betting, the NFL is betting more than anyone, at least as it relates to its core business interests, that it is deploying the Broncos, a team that can be relied upon. History of winning by Russell Wilson. Assessment that the Broncos have a pretty good team around him. But, you know, Peter, where it can go haywire, and we know it happens every year, when the injuries strike you have a key player now I think the Steelers and the Patriots are more immune to that but some of these other teams they lose a key player and all of a sudden those five primetime games are looking like games where you know I think back to the Saints Colts game in 2011 on NBC which spawned the ability to potentially flex even earlier than the flexing happens because it was the no Peyton Manning game, and it was something like 59 to nothing. And I'm, I, I'm exaggerating, but I'm not. It was something obscene like that. Yeah. So yeah. You, you, you lose, you lose the, the worst possible player at the worst possible moment, i.e. early in the season, and some of these primetime games are going to be like, what the hell, why are we watching this? Because it's on TV. And, and, uh, and we know yeah. that that dynamic is always hovering. You know, Mike, the one other thing that really sort of hit me is I thought the Rams came out with a really odd schedule. And I really questioned that they basically go nine straight weeks in the middle of the season without being on prime time. And I thought to myself, man, are the Rams being a little bit overlooked here, okay? But then I'll tell you exactly what you see with the Rams. You see all of these games, including games at Tampa, include the East Coast and, and Central Time games. They are all, with the exception of one game at New Orleans, they are all in the late window. And what they're doing with those games, essentially, is they are saying to CBS and Fox, because of the new Crossflex rule, not new, but relatively new Crossflex rule, where an NFC team can appear uh, when it's on the road uh, on CBS or, or and the NFL can do what it thinks it needs to do to equalize the power of the schedule in the late window doubleheader games between CBS and Fox. And I think what you saw the NFL do is say to Fox and CBS, we hear you, we trust you, And we will give you a lot of good games throughout the season in that doubleheader window. That's what I saw when I looked at the Rams. And 
the other reality, we get so caught up with the primetime schedules because those are the true standalone games with no other interference, no chance that you're going to be in that one little 10% pocket of the country that gets Jaguars-Cardinals instead of that big 425 p.m. Eastern game everyone else gets. But those late afternoon windows deliver. The numbers from Fox yeah. and CBS, you get a good game in that spot, it's bigger than the primetime games from an audience standpoint. We're wired to think primetime is a bigger deal because it's under the lights. And again, it's one game and we all tune in and watch one game. But the 425 window can really, really do well. And, you know, it's a good point. The Rams, even though they don't have an overabundance of those big platform night games, you're going to see them a lot at 425 p.m. Eastern this year on both Fox and on CBS. And the CrossFlex has allowed the NFL to, to just better navigate the schedule because there could be a week where, whoa, we got a great game that we could put at 425, but this is supposedly Fox's weekend to have the the doubleheader. Well, this should be a CBS game. Let's move it to Fox. So it gives the NFL more flexibility to do what Mike North said last night, deploy the assets the best way possible. Let's look at how the assets have been deployed week one, right out of the gates. That portion of the schedule was announced late afternoon, early evening yesterday. And, of course, it begins with a Super Bowl preview, potentially. The Bills at the Rams. Once Broncos-Rams landed on Christmas, Bills-Rams became, to me, the one that just stood out as the most likely kickoff game. Even though there's no history there, usually they'll try to find like a playoff rematch, Super Bowl rematch, something along those lines where we look backward. Now we're looking forward because this could be the game that's played in mid-February in Phoenix, Buffalo at the L.A. Rams. Great way to start the season. Josh Allen against that defense, the Rams offense against the Bills defense, scoring maybe a ton of points. Maybe it'll be like that playoff game last year between the Bills and the Chiefs. I'm sure that's what they're hoping for right out of the gates. I know that's what I'm hoping for, Peter. Well, Mike, there is a story behind this story, okay? About a month ago, I wrote that it was either going to be Buffalo or Denver to open the season uh, against the Rams. And I heard from somebody... I'll just say either tangentially or or whatever, who knows a lot about the schedule, okay? And he said, you've got to keep one thing in mind when you talk about the schedule. And he said, if I were you, I would lean a lot heavier on Buffalo opening the season. And I said, the reason that that goes against what the NFL does If you look at the NFL, never, ever takes the best game on a team's home schedule that is going to play that first game. They don't take the best game against the best team and make that the first game. Why? Because you don't have to. People are going to watch the first game. And And so I was told, there's a little bit of a difference this year. I said, what's the difference? And he goes... When you consider what happened last year when NBC opened with Tampa Bay and Dallas and had a monster rating, it was 24% higher 
than the previous year when it was Houston and Kansas City, which operated under the, the premise of, oh, just put any game on in the first week and people will watch it. Well, a bunch of people watch Houston and Kansas City, but the Dallas-Tampa game was bonkers because it was Tom Brady against America's team. So the NFL did not want to come out of the box this year with a headline in Sports Business Journal on at 4 o'clock Friday afternoon saying ratings for the opener are down 14% over last year. And so that's why that was a big reason why Buffalo ended up in this spot. Even though, even though I'm not convinced and I don't think it's there's universal consensus that Denver at the Rams would have gotten them any much of a different number at all because Russell Wilson, his first game with the Broncos, Broncos are a popular team. Now, the Bills are an incredibly popular regional team. But now we're going to see this year, Mike, can the Bills transition into a national team? And this will be the first test right out of the box. That game needs to get a big number. And by big number, I mean no worse than like 6 or 7% less in terms of rating uh, than the game last year. It's a great point. And what it does, it puts even more pressure on the NFL next year. And the year after that, as long as they continue to have this desire to come They've out of the, the gates, they, they, they want to yeah. come out of the gates with a big number. You got to find the biggest game in prime time to start the year. That's a game you could have held back for the no, November sweeps. Well, we got to hold that one. Chiefs Packers, yes. we got to hold that one for November. Yeah. Right. Well, no, maybe maybe we burn some of these early to get gigantic numbers and and convince people when they see that, oh, NFL's up. NFL's up 20%. I better not miss a game. NFL's up. Mike, oh, that's it's doing a, well. That's a big part Everything's of this. great. Because you set the narrative, you set the narrative early in the season as to whether or not things are going well or not. Because, yeah, we don't pay as much attention to the ratings unless they're dramatically down as the season unfolds. It's what you can set right away. And look at the full primetime schedule to start the week, to start the year. Excuse me. Easy for him to say. You got Cowboys Bucks, the game that generated the big number on Thursday. Boom, there it is on Sunday night. And then, and then one of the great games of the year. One of the great games of the year. You never set off your, you know, fireworks 101. You don't set off your finale right when you start the display. But to have the Broncos going to Seattle to end the first week of the season. I almost fell out of my chair when I saw that yesterday. That's Russell Wilson going home. That's a week four, week five, week eight, week nine game. No, we're using it now, baby. And so the ABC rating, ABC ESPN rating for that week one Monday night game, the NBC ratings for Sunday night and Thursday night, they're going to be through the roof, through the roof. Great point, Peter. Mike. Mike, you know what NBC does? NBC would not have... NBC is not going to go as crazy as the NFL will if the rating is down 8 or 
for the Thursday night game. And the reason is what NBC looks at is the combined Thursday-Sunday rating in audiences in week one. And having Tampa Bay and Dallas will mean that the, the comparative ratings from 2022 this year to last year are going to be way up. Well, I shouldn't say they'll be away, but they will be competitive with last year, I should say. And, and, and I think I know why that game on Monday is such a huge game, Seattle hosting Denver. Because, Mike, do you really know very much about the Seattle Seahawks oh. with quarterback Drew Locke? And or Gina do you Smith. know, and, and, and you just, you simply don't know. And so the the way to make this a mega event is to play the game before Seattle starts one and four. Or or what who knows? They might start four and one. All I'm saying is with Drew Lockett quarterback instead of Russell Wilson or Geno Smith, you know, there's a chance that you could stumble out of the gate. And who knows? They may go get another quarterback. We don't know. I don't think they will but we just don't know that. I think they're saving their powder for 2023. They've got four picks likely in the top 50 of the draft. Uh, they've, they've got a chance to, to really make a splash in 2023 by drafting a quarterback. But I think that is why ESPN gets a mega game on their first Monday night. There's another dynamic at play here as well. And I think having great numbers coming out of week one can only help. And that is a reality that the casual football fan is not aware of. The casual football fan isn't watching a show like this. The casual football fan stops watching after the Super Bowl and doesn't start paying attention again until the regular season arrives. And the NFL relies upon several million many millions of the casual fans to get rehooked when it's football season. Well, this year, when the casual fan starts paying attention, the casual fan's going to realize that Thursday night football is not going to be as easy to find as it used to be. And whether it's, yeah. I don't have Amazon Prime, I don't want to pay for Amazon Prime, I don't even know what Amazon Prime is. How do I get Amazon Prime on my 27-inch Zenus with, with a cathode ray tube in it? There are people out there that don't have the technology. They don't have the infrastructure in their homes. More and more do all the time, and it's cheaper than it's ever been. But good luck explaining to your in-laws how they're going to get Amazon Prime on their TV in their living room. So that's the, that's the closing argument. Bills, Rams, Cowboys, Bucks, Seahawks hosting Broncos is the closing argument before the game that comes three nights later in Kansas City when the Chargers and the Chiefs kick off the first ever streaming exclusive Thursday night broadcast. Unless you're in the markets where the teams reside, then you get the games over the air. But Peter, that is going to be a storm of something other than sand. 
Same number of letters. When people realize, and I don't think the NFL quite understands what's coming down the pike here, because most people don't understand it yet. And when most casual football fans wake up to the fact that they're going to have to go buy Amazon Prime, whatever Amazon Prime is, we all think that everybody knows because we, we stream and we have it. And I've got all the platforms. And there's a lot of people out there that are going to be flummoxed on Thursday, September the 15th when it's time to watch Chargers Chiefs. Wait and see because that, that's coming. And I think that's being underestimated. I think one of the big parts of that story, Mike, is how many people will not get Amazon Prime and will say, hey, you know what? At 8 o'clock on Thursday nights this year, I'm going to go down to uh, Tierney's Pub and I'm going to watch the game on TV, which my understanding is that Amazon Prime is going to figure a way how to do that, how to be able to get the game on in sports bars somehow, that, that they're going to figure it out. And they have to figure it out. Because there are going to be too few people, just like you said. The ratings are going to look silly when compared to Fox. And the ratings will be way down. Okay, but I do think that some of that is going to be made up by... And and now, what's the price point for these sports bars? To be able... they, They don't... I wouldn't think a sports bar would naturally have Amazon an Amazon Prime subscription. I mean, it's not a private residence. It it doesn't get a lot of packages, I wouldn't I wouldn't think. I mean, it gets packages, but different ones. And so I just sort of look at this, Mike, and I say, there's going to be a lot of interesting stories. I hate to keep giving Sports Business Journal a plug, but these are going to be the kind of stories that are right in the wheelhouse for business of sports, reporters, publications, and all that. What is the NFL going to do about this? And Mike, listen, I'm just telling you, the NFL knows that the ratings are really going to suffer on streaming versus, you know, versus Fox. They they get that. They know. That's why they basically told Amazon, hey, listen, you know, we're not charging you. What And, and look, I don't really know what it is. But I think you hear the reports that Fox last year paid basically $600 million for the season. And you hear reports now that Amazon is paying a billion dollars a season. So the the NFL took the money and they're going to grow with it because streaming, I think, is a big part of the future. But in the short term, they're going to have to suffer the consequences, too. Um. One other point about that before we pivot back to the Rams schedule. The NFL has had some streaming exclusive games in the past, and I can think of two specifically. There was one where the numbers that the NFL eventually put out were extremely disingenuous in how they were presented in an effort to make them seem bigger than they were. The next year when they did it again, and it was a Ravens-Jaguars game that streamed exclusively on Yahoo!, the numbers were never published. I, I remember asking the NFL at the time, hey, do you have the numbers? Well, they're not ready yet. Hey, do you have the numbers? Well, they're not ready yet. Hey, do you have the numbers? Well, they're not ready yet. You eventually move on to other things because the world's moved on to other things. So 
that those numbers are not going to be great. And the NFL, number one, grabbed the money, which it has every right to do. And number two, it's trying to help shift the viewing habits. It's trying to force people away from their traditional cable satellite hookups to the streaming platforms. And that's one of the reasons why Amazon's paying a premium, because it wants to get the people to keep coming to them to keep buying Prime at $8.99 a month for the viewership option or whatever it is per year for the full-blown Prime experience. All right. You mentioned the Rams, a lot of the 425 p.m. Eastern games. Um, Right out of the gates, they got the Bills, and then it gets a little softer. Hey, they're lucky to get Cardinals during the DeAndre Hopkins suspension week three at Arizona, site of the next Super Bowl in Phoenix. They get the 49ers on Monday Night Football. That's always a challenging game for them. There's, There's several games that they should easily win before their bye week. There's no reason to think that they can't pull into the station for their break week seven with a five and two or six and one record, Peter. I was a little disappointed to see both 49er games uh, in the first eight weeks. You know, they don't play the 49ers, you know, after Halloween. And I love that rivalry. I love the rivalry when it means something. How incredible would that rivalry be? Uh, the last week of December, first week of January, if one of the teams was going to get knocked out with a loss. Just, I, I I thought they burned both of those games pretty early. But but I think the overriding sentiment looking at their schedule is that it it seems quite manageable, you know, early before they're by. And then uh, the last three weeks of the season seem pretty manageable. And I don't mean at Chargers is manageable, uh, but it's not a killer end of the season. And the other thing I noticed, they got the Seahawks twice in the last six weeks. And if the Seahawks are, I'm not ever saying no Pete Carroll team is ever going to be in mail it in mode. But if for instance, they play the Seahawks twice when the Seahawks are basically playing out the string I think that's a huge advantage to the Rams. Oh, absolutely. Now, I agree with you. I'm not ready to assume that the Seahawks aren't going to be competitive. I think they're going to be extra motivated by the fact that so many will assume they're not going to be good. But there's a chance that Jacob Eason is playing quarterback those final few weeks because they want to evaluate him and see what he's going to be if he's an option for them moving forward. And I'm exaggerating a little bit, but you never know. And, Peter, look back to week one. There's another dynamic there that is fascinating to me. That's the night they hang the banner at SoFi Stadium. How many Rams fans are actually going to be at that game versus Bills fans? That's Super Bowl win or not, a dynamic that does not go away. When you abandon a market for 20 years and you basically encourage the millions who live there to go become fans of whatever team they want to become fans of, you're going to have thousands, tens of thousands of fans of every team. And the Bills will be a team that either has plenty of fans who are already there or fans who will go to SoFi Stadium, locking in their trips, getting their tickets. It'd be embarrassing for Stan Kroenke and the Rams organization to have Bill's Mafia take over SoFi Stadium the night they hang their banner. At least Bill's fans finally get to see a banner hang on week one. Sorry, mean-spirited. But they're going to be – I mean, they're, they're going to take over SoFi the night that the Rams celebrate the championship that they won last year. 
Hey, Mike, a long time ago when I suggested to somebody that, hey, the 49ers will be, there would be incredible energy in the building uh, if you open with the Niners and the Rams. What a game that would be. It'd be frantic. And I was told, nah, too many red jerseys in the building. And that <laughs> there's going to be is, some blue ones. <laughs> there's going to be Not a lot right of blue, blue ones. But I, maybe that's look, why they did it. Hey, maybe the blue jerseys. Maybe people I, think it's Rams jerseys when it's Bills jerseys. Yeah. yeah. Hey, look, last year I covered the NFC Championship game. I covered Rams and, and, and uh, uh, 49ers. And I was in a hotel right near the airport, right near SoFi Stadium. Uh, the morning of the game. And it looked like it was a San Francisco 49ers jersey convention. <laughs> I, I just could not believe it. I bet it was 90-10 in that hotel that day. Uh, Niners fans versus Rams fans. But I will say this, Mike. A lot of people said, oh my God, the 49ers overwhelmed the Rams that day. They didn't. They didn't. Their fans did not overwhelm the Rams uh, fans. And that's why I think this might be 70-30, but I don't think it's going to be 50-50. And it would be 70-30 in favor of the Rams. My feeling is that, you know, Mike, the way the L.A. market works, it is the capital of fair weather fans. It just is. It's the capital of fair weather fans. And so now people are excited. They're doing this Super Bowl trophy tour, the Lombardi Trophy tour of greater Los Angeles. And people are coming out and bringing their kids and they're buying all the Rams stuff. Look, I don't know what's going to happen on the first Thursday of the regular season. But I will be surprised if it's close to 50-50. I think it'll be more like 70-30 Rams. Well, we'll see. Remember, it was week 18 last year when the 49ers got into the postseason where their fans did overrun SoFi Stadium to the point yes. where the Rams had to use a silent count and the 49ers did not. Week 15, Peter, this is something that's got to drive Sean McVay crazy. If he has any complaints, you know, because they weren't the one seed last year, the Packers were. And I guess as long as the Packers are not going to parlay the one seed into a Super Bowl appearance, it's not something to be concerned about. But if the Rams want the road to Glendale to go through SoFi, they need to handle the Packers, and the Packers have the easier division. They got two teams with new regimes. They got the Lions. That's six wins right there. If they don't go 6-0 and in their division, it's an upset for the Green Bay Packers. The Rams go there again. And remember last year when the Rams played there and lost during the regular season, it was like, well, there goes the one seed. It's going to be the Packers. You got Week 15, December 19, Tundra Frozen, Rams at Packers, if you're anyone in that Rams organization, I would say that's one of the first games you're looking for. We know we're going to Green Bay. When are we going to Green Bay? Let's go to Green Bay before Halloween. Then you see that week 15, you got to be thinking, oh, crap. We got to go back there again and play in the wintertime. Well, Mike, Mike, how about this? Why do you think the Rams told the scheduling people? Okay. Why did they tell Mike North and, and Howard Kent? Why did they tell them? hey, we'll raise our hands for going to London to play the Packers. We'll do that. <laughs> want to know why they wanted? I'll yeah, tell you exactly. Yeah. They wanted to do it for two. They wanted to do it for two reasons. Okay, they wanted to do it because 
It's on October 9th. Okay, it's early in the season. Your team is fresh. You look forward to a trip to London. Hey, this will be cool. This will be fun. And weather will be fine. And theoretically, you won't be getting the home field like you would be getting at Lambeau Field, obviously. But Mike, here's the hidden thing about why you just mentioned about the Rams and why they are they can't be happy on a night game in December at Lambeau Field. Okay, it isn't only that. Guess who's got a bye week before the night game at Lambeau Field? Oh, uh-oh. The Green Bay Packers. Yeah. So the Packers, the Packers have 14 days completely off their feet, you know, depending on how uh, Matt LaFleur is going to be coaching at that time of year. And a lot of coaches will take the pads off. We'll just have glorified walkthroughs late in the year. And again, I have no idea whatsoever what LaFleur is going to do. But just look at this. They play at the Bears in week 13 on December 4. And then they don't play again for 15 days. And that is against the Rams, which could be the game that is going to determine home field in the NFC. I think that's a huge advantage for the Green Bay Packers. LaFleur was on NFL Network last night also with Rich Eisen, and he said they specifically asked to not have their bye immediately after their trip to London. We've seen that play out. So many teams are doing that Several now. times, yes. And you know what? Th- that tells me, and who knows when it's going to happen, but number one, it tells me there's going to be more games played across the Atlantic Ocean so that you can't just give every team that played in London or Germany or wherever, an automatic buy the following week. It's just not going to work on the schedule. And it tells me they're getting ready for the day that there are teams in London, and I think it's going to be two. Just like Al Michaels said years ago, if the NFL ever goes back to L.A., it will be with two teams, not one. And he was right. You got two NFL stadiums ready in London. I think if they go there with one, they're going to go there with two. So when you have teams flying over and back and whatever, that you're just going to have to bake that into your travel demands. You can't just assume, oh, we played in London We're going to take the next week off. And for the Packers, there was a strategy in play. They get home game, London, home game. And they hold that bye, and it worked out perfectly because they get that bye right before they play the Rams. Hey, look, there's one other factor with all the people who say, oh, my God, you should take your bye uh, after you come back from London. Arduous trip, everything like that. I'll tell you why you don't take the bye then. In week three, The Green Bay Packers play a late window game, certainly going to be a a doubleheader game on September 25 in Tampa. So that game starts at 325 Green Bay time. Okay. And I did this last night. I factored in, you know, the flight time, everything like that. The Packers will get home to Austin Strobel Airport in Green Bay sometime between about, you know, barring something weird, between about 12 and 12.30 a.m. on Monday. And then, obviously, they just play the next week. Two weeks later, they go to London. And I won't bore you with all the time zones and all that stuff. But the Packers should land at Austin Strobel Airport, local time, central time, at 11 p.m. So 
they will get home earlier from a game in London, an eight-hour flight away. They'll get home earlier than they will when they play a game in Tampa Bay. That is one of the reasons why coaches and teams, sports science people are saying to all of these teams, hey, listen, don't take your bye in week five after a game in London. Take it later in the season when your players need it more. And that's exactly what Green Bay did. That's a great point. Let's pivot now to the Buccaneers' schedule. We mentioned they start the year the same way they did last year, facing the Cowboys, but it's Buccaneers at Cowboys this year instead of Cowboys-Bucks, which was the season opener. Great game to start the season. Peter, what stands out to me early in the slate, they go to the Saints for week two, and that's not even a 425 game. That's a 1 o'clock cluster game, and I think the NFL is trying to dilute the cluster of one o'clock Eastern games. And I know you still want to leave some decent games there, but I was very surprised when you consider that the saints are four and zero in the regular season against the Tom Brady Buccaneers, that that game doesn't have a bigger platform, especially early before we know whether or not the saints without Sean Payton are going to be any good. Just like the Seahawks dynamic. We don't know if they're going to be good. I think they are. And I think they'll give the bucks a run for their money. And I'd rather have that game at 425 or in a primetime window. Hey, look, I looked at the Bucks' schedule last night. And Mike, not only in the regular season are the Bucks with Tom Brady 0-4 against the Saints. Okay, but there's two other factors to consider. The closest one of those four games was a nine-point margin. They haven't even played close games in the regular season. Now, there was obviously the playoff game where the Bucs won at New Orleans, and, and so either you count that, but still, Tampa Bay with Tom Brady is 1-4 against New Orleans. And if you look at the way New Orleans has plotted this offseason, you know what they've done? They have said, we are a top-five defense We are going to come back. We made the defensive coordinator the head coach. We have great chemistry on this team right now. We patchworked the quarterback together all last year and still played competitively all year. Now we got the guy who would normally be the number one. He's back. Yeah, maybe he's not Johnny Unitas. Maybe he's not Drew Brees. But we think with Jameis Winston, we're going to be in this thing the whole way. And then you know what they did, Mike? They, they moved heaven and earth and they sold everything. In my column this week, I wrote about how, when you look at it, how insane the Chris Olave move up was for them to go from 16 to 11 to get Chris Olave. On the Jimmy Johnson points board, the number 11 pick basically is worth 1,200 points. And what they traded for him was over 1,900 points. For, you know, to go get Chris Olave. And they did that because they want to have a great receiver group on day one this year. And I only say all that. If we could put up the Tampa Bay schedule one more time, because there's one other point to make about the importance of the Tampa Bay game in week one. All right, so you say, at Dallas, that is really going to be a tough one. 
Ah, if you lose, you still got 16 games left. Wait a minute. You can't beat the Saints. Then you're playing the NFC champion two years, uh, almost NFC home field team two years in a row at home on a temperate day, by the way. And then you're playing Kansas City. I mean, I'm just saying, what can the Bucks realistically hope to be after four games? If, if, I, if I'm Jason Light, you know, if I'm Todd Bowles, I'm just mentally saying to myself, look, it's not going to be a disaster if, it's, if we're two and two. You know, it, it, and look, it won't be great if we're one and three, but we'll still be in it. That is a really tough opening schedule for Tampa Bay. Yeah, you're absolutely right. And then they've got the Falcons, a game they should win. But who knows? Who knows what to expect with teams like the Falcons this year because they're in the process of baking something, and we don't know whether or not it's going to rise. Week 6 at Pittsburgh is another 1 o'clock Eastern game. There's two of them that stand out. Those are Buccaneers games that should be 4.25 p.m. Eastern games if they're not going to be primetime games. And I don't know whether the Bucs asked somebody for a favor here. Like, look, you're going to use this five times in primetime. Can we minimize the number of times we're at 4.25 p.m. Eastern? It's just odd to me because that is a prime opportunity to slide into one of those big windows. And Bucks steelers Tom Brady back in Pittsburgh? Are you kidding me? That's a huge game. I, I, I'm just I'm stunned that, that well, the Mike, week, two, hey, Mike. week six games are 1 o'clock Eastern kickoffs. Well, Mike, how about this? How about this? If we had times up on this schedule... That's the thing. So all I do is I look at all 32 teams and I say, okay, what stands out? Make a few notes. Tampa Bay having four one o'clock games in the first seven weeks is weird. Just weird. I don't know why it happened. I don't know why it felt that fell that way. And maybe, maybe it's because at the end of the season, you know, they're almost always in either a doubleheader or a primetime window. So I get that, but I noticed the exact same thing as you. I mean, you look starting at Baltimore in week eight and look at those games Eastern time, 8.15, 4.25. Then you've got the game in Munich, which is uh, 9.30 in the morning. Uh, but then one, you get the bye week, one o'clock against Cleveland, but then... 8-15, So they are really backloaded with national TV games late in the year. And Mike, can I say one other thing about these 9.30 window games on Sunday morning? I think there's a little bit of a strategy for the NFL going into these games that are going to be at 9.30 in the morning. Have you noticed that on this schedule this year, you know, you've got the Green Bay Packers playing a a 9.30 a.m. game, 8.30 in the Wisconsin market, okay? That's 8.30 in the morning there. Have you noticed the Seattle Seahawks have got, you know, the 9.30 a.m. Eastern, 6.30 a.m., you know, on the West Coast? Have you noticed Tampa Bay has one of those games? I'm only making this point. And look, they've been trying to get Green Bay to go overseas for 100 years. So they had to wait till they get the 17-game schedule, the ninth home game, because now they've still got an eight-game home schedule at Lambeau Field, which is what Mark Murphy and his team have fought so hard for. But 
I think it's really, really interesting that the NFL looks at the 930 game as a new window to try to say to America, get used to something new. Because we aren't just putting Jacksonville and Houston at 9.30 in the morning so we can throw away a Jacksonville game. We're not doing that. We are going to put some good teams. How about next year when either New England or Kansas City plays in Munich and plays at 9.30 in the morning? I'm just telling you, the NFL views this as an expansion of the empire. Oh, absolutely. And look, more windows, especially with legalized betting, more opportunities for people to focus on fewer games and removing games from the cluster of 1 p.m. Eastern kickoffs. That's what the NFL is trying to do. And all of those games in Europe this year start at 9.30 a.m. Eastern time. There used to be at least one or more than one in the window at 1 o'clock, a night game in London. They're all the early start for us, middle of the day for them. Oh, one more point I'm going to make, and we're going to talk about the Browns schedule coming up, but I don't know if you noticed it, folks. You see the Bucks at the Browns. That's another 1 o'clock start. That's another game that you would look at and say, by the time we get to Week 12, Deshaun Watson, Tom Brady, why is that at 1 o'clock? We're going to talk about some of the dynamics of the Browns schedule coming up. Let's take a break. We're going to focus on the schedules of the teams in the toughest division in the NFL, one of whom gave us literally the best thing I've ever seen in my entire life, and I'm not exaggerating. We'll show you that next here on PFT Live. 